Film Podcast. This month we talk to the director Gary Hewitt, we delve into the new films of the month, as well as a rundown of the top murder mysteries. This coffee, this, what is it, a vanilla latte? It is a vanilla, no, it's a caramel latte. Caramel? You would. What do you think? I think, honestly, it's one of the best coffees I've ever consumed. What? And I've only had two sips. But that... Are you for real? It tastes immense. I don't know how I could possibly alter this coffee to make it any better. Have you ever had a caramel one? No. I have, yeah. Jesus. Well, your first sip, you were like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> is, that what you, is that when you said, this is this the biz? This is the biz, yeah. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> it was a bit raunchy, if anything. It was, yeah. So, we've taken it upstairs. Um... Taking what upstairs? The, the actions. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking things upstairs. But Today, yeah. we've got to talk about our lists, which we'll do. We have an interview with Gary Hewitt. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. Um, spoke to him. We'll more on that in a bit, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And we've got some clips from clips our Clips from our trips. So this is a bit of a change of pace. So the la- first... Is this episode seven? I think, I think seven or eight. Yeah. The first few episodes, it was, the idea was to do an hour and then we'd just cap it an hour, just talk about what we watched. Then we added in the top five thing. Oh, yeah. Christ, I haven't thought about that. Um, That's all right. Spontaneous. Spontaneous. That's the idea. But now we're thinking maybe try and add a few little features in. Mm-hmm. Because we were getting guests. So Paul came on. Yes. Uh, Katie. Yep. Gwilym. Gwilym. But now we're doing it so they're going to feature rather than be in the whole thing. Yes. This feels like Sunday brunch. Do you like Sunday brunch? I love Sunday brunch. Maybe we could have something, not the biscuit test, but something like that with the drinks. They've got rid of that now. Um, you kidding? No. What about something with the... I'm going to say, I think this is the best drink we've had on the podcast so far. I've just nailed it. You have nailed it. It's double espresso as well. Absolutely. So I'll be off my tits. And I've done that strategically so that we're... Punchy. Yeah, maybe after an hour and a half we want our arse, but that's why we've got fruit pastels. Yes. You said don't peak your sugars. Only if you're trying to stay up late, but it's right. not late. It's not, no. Um, Specifically, it's one thirty nine in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're in peak condition, mm. we should be. So what are you cooking for us today, Gareth? We're <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, um, we're going to start with a breakfast. Yep. We're going to do... Um, Poached eggs with a nice hollandaise sauce. Right. With a slight twist, it's going to be a chilli hollandaise sauce. Chilli? Yeah. And then we've got uh, a guest chef, Ainsley Harriet. Ainsley's here. And he's going to do um, what he does best, which is dance. He's going to do a <laughs> dancing segment. And then for dessert, we're going to... What's your favourite dessert? And we'll see if it lines up what we've got. I, I, th- I chocolate fudge cake. Bad luck. Creme brulee. I love a creme brulee, though. There we go. So that's the menu today. Lovely. And special guests? Gary Hewitt. Gary Hewitt. He's here, he's live via Discord. Uh-huh. And other apps are available to talk to Which people. Like I've said yeah. round trees earlier. That's true, yeah. Um, so you just mentioned creme brulee. Yeah. Last time I had a creme brulee was in Cyprus, and I'd had a few beers. And then I had a big, stodgy, it was nice, but it was stodgy, uh, calamari. Mm-hmm. 
Then, then I had a, and the calamari, yeah, it was like really thick, like shells. Then a stodgy carbonara. Mm-hmm. Then a creme brulee that was the size of my face. Nice. And then I had some more beer. And then we went to a bar. And I ordered a white Russian. On the menu was a white oh. Russian, which the dude drinks in the big Lebowski. I was like, I've got to do it. I vomed that yeah. night. There's a lot of dairy. There's a lot going on in that, yeah. A lot of eggs. Yeah. So I I vomed. It was a real shame. (laughs) It was nice for that, you know, brief moment, but I I don't think I'll be happy. You felt cool thinking, white Russian, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to live the dream here. Yeah. And I hope the the bar staff were like, what the... Do you think the dude's thrown up? He'd throw up in that. I think think anyone would. Lactose. I challenge you to eat everything and drink everything I've just said and not Not throw throw up. up. And the creme brulee's got to be the size of your face. And you had beers as well, curdled. Yeah. Oh, mate, it was disgusting. I'm not going to get off this subject. Yeah, That's let's move on. So you've had a stellar month film-wise, you didn't even realise. I didn't, I, honestly, I thought you were ahead of me. You started with Hot Rod, first film of the year. No, it wasn't. Shut up. Yeah. Really? First film of the year, you decided to watch Hot Rod. I did. You're right. That's an issue, isn't it? Well, the thing is, because the great thing about Letterboxd is if you pay for it, you get stats and it shows you your first film of the year. And that's not going anywhere. That's there forever now. Yeah. Hot Rod was actually all right, you know. I don't love Andy Samberg, but it was okay. I quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I haven't well, seen it. Well, your first, you have a tradition where you watch something Star Wars related every year for your well, first I th- film. Well, I thought it was a tradition. But it turns out it was only last year I did that. And then, <laughs> and then it was the year before that. Right. I didn't like, I, I skipped a year. Right. Okay. So 2021, you didn't watch a Star Wars film? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. And then, but in 2020 I did. Yes. So this year it was Rogue One. Yep. Followed by Mary Poppins Returns. Exactly. Was one experience better than the other? Yes. Um, I watched Rogue One because I just finished Andor during the Christmas break. It was a good... Christmas break for me, content-wise. Mm. And so I wanted to just remind myself of Rogue One, and it's oh, so good. It's great. And then off the back of that, I made a Star Wars ranked list. Did you know? Mm. Well, I'd need to hear this ranked list. Let me get it up for you. Um, but you might be surprised, but I need to rewatch the old ones. This yeah. is my problem. But um, Rogue One is quite high up on the list. There's 11 films I've got on it. Let's go top five. One, two, three, four, five. Star Wars, New Hope. That's five. Five, five. okay. Return of the Jedi, four. Mm. Uh, the Last Jedi, three. That's Rogue. Talking of Rogue, Rogue One is in second place. Mm. And then first place, Force Awakens. So hang on, Empire Strikes Back, not getting a look in. Sixth. Jesus Christ. Followed by Revenge of the Sith. Mm. Followed by The Last Star Wars, whatever it was called. Episode one, solo, episode two. Jesus Christ. There's some really rogue things going on there. I'm with you on The Last Jedi, love. Yep. That was a much better film than everyone gave it credit for. Where was Force Awakens on this list, sorry? First. Oh yeah, because Empire wasn't on there. Mine is always a toss-up between Empire Strikes Back and The Force Awakens. For my number one. Wow. And Rogue One second. Rogue One second. I just love the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I love the... I can get on board with that. The new avenue it was going down. Mm. And that Darth Vader scene near the end. Really, really good. It's just... Oh, yeah. 
it gave me signs. It was a new hope. And it's, it is all about hope. It, it is, yeah. I think the last line is something to do with hope. I think you should just say hope. Yeah, okay. yeah, I don't know. But anyway, and then obviously with Andor, coupled in with it, mm. it's, it's a really interesting segment. Speaking of an interesting segment, let's talk about 12 Angry Men. Yes. Because this sparked conversation for us this month. It did. Including a poll, which I'll talk about in a second. But we've both watched 12 Angry Men for the first time this year. You have the DVD. And we did a DVD swap. You gave me 12 Angry Men and I gave you Blazing Saddles. I haven't watched it yet. That's okay. I was late giving it to you, to be fair. But 12 Angry Men, we both gave it a five star. Mm. And it's one of those films that everyone says you have to watch. Uh, Came out in 1957. Directed by a man. Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet. Or Lumet. Mm. And it's just 12 blokes in a room trying to solve a case. Yeah. As the jury. So they've just had the case. Mm. They've heard all the evidence. And then the first point of order is to see who's where in terms of who thinks they're guilty, who's not. And it gets me, it got me as soon as it was 11 to 1 guilty. As soon as there was that person striking another uh, side of the argument. And um, from there on in, it's just tense. And it's and the heat is not working. Yeah. Which is really important. Yeah. Because you can just feel the heat. Yeah. The tension of the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all starting to sweat. They're all sweaty. sweating. By the end, like there's sweaty backs and pits. Yeah. And... It's really clever. Mm-hmm. But it was originally a play. And you can feel that. Yeah. I'd love to be in a play of 12 Angry Men. Yeah. But we the, the reason it sparked conversation is because I asked Gareth, if you could recast mm. 12 Angry Men, who would you have in that cast? I struggle with this, you know. And I'll tell you why. Um, My list generally was the first names I could think of. You know what I'm like Mm. with names. It's a good list. It is a good list. It's a very good. So your list, you had Denzel Washington, George Clooney, Ian McKellen, John Hamm. I'd say they're your big hitters. Yeah. They're going to cost the most. Then you had Kiwi Kwan. You had Dean Norris. He's cheap, really. Yeah. Probably quite cheap. Yeah. I I haven't seen him in anything since Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Robert Redford. Expensive. He's in retirement, so he's mm. got to be a big draw. Uh, Colin Farrell, he's a big draw. Probably yeah. swap him for John Hammer as the big hitters. And then Mads Mikkelsen, J.K. Simmons, David Harbour and Toby Jones as some character actors. Yeah. It's a good bunch. Imagine that. It would be uh, incredible. But not quite as good as if you had uh, uh, John Hamm, Morgan Freeman, Adam Driver, Giancarlo Esposito, Dustin Hoffman, Don Cheadle, Vince Vaughn, Robert Downey Jr., Josh Brolin, Brian Cranston, Josh DeHamel, and whoever the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Oh, um, what's his face from Godfather? You know the guy. Yeah. I have a question for you then, because obviously you put this on a poll and you won. Yes. I would counter-argument that most of the people who follow Instagram are your friends. And you voted for yourself. Or your friends. Yeah, why did you bring up the vote for myself thing? We've already thought about this. I voted for you. You voted for me, so you're a better person. That's fine. But my question to you is, would you top Trump swap any of those out? Would you import any of mine into the and get rid? So the guy I can... Robert Duvall. That's the name of the the, other guy on there. Uh, I'd maybe swap Ian McKellen in for Robert Duvall. Yeah. That's maybe a good swap. Um... And then I'd love George Clooney in there. Maybe George Clooney for Josh DeHamel. 
I guess. I don't, what about you? Uh, can I have a look? Of course you can. I'd bring in Robert Downey Jr. And you're going to kill me again. What's, his, what's that guy's name again? Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. I'd bring him in. We have spoke about Don Cheadle <laughs> so much. <laughs> and you always forget his name. This is my problem with names. Yeah. It's really rude. And I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. I truly am. Yeah. But obviously it's not working. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Don. On Gareth's behalf. And Dustin Hoffman. I'd probably bring in. Mm. Yeah. It just feels like he should be in this remake. You know? But the the annoying thing is, that's not annoying at all. You've actually got to go and find it. Mm. So if you want to watch that, you have to buy it. But get it yeah. on, uh, I got it from, uh, what's that place? I don't know. Music Magpie. You... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do used DVDs and stuff. Mm. But it is like when you watch it, you're like, yeah, I understand why this is one of the best. Yeah, yeah. Another old film I watched from 1956, Forbidden Planet. Oh, yeah. You ever seen Forbidden Planet? No. It's one of my... So I've started doing the premium collection at HMV. Yeah. And it's about some guys who land a spaceship on a planet. There's a lone survivor of a previous expedition who's, like, started living on this planet. Mm -hmm. And they start having conflicts and then there's some sort of monster out there and... As you can hear, I can't really tell you the plot. It's a little bit vague. It's always a little bit, uh, but it's the reason I want, like, was excited to watch it was because Leslie Nielsen is in it from Naked Gun, yeah, an airplane and blah blah, blah. and he's very serious in it. Like, it's a very serious. It's not a funny part because famously he wasn't a comedy actor, yeah. until he got into those films. Um, and I saw a clip of him the other day actually, and it was, uh, he was like, well. People, the best, the, the way to work comedy is that you have to make people think that you're not going to make a joke. You know, you're keeping it serious, and uh, you could then just pull a joke out of any avenue by just changing the tone, and then he farts, <laughs> <laughs> and it's perfect. It's so <laughs> so. I I really like him, but he was a little bit like just a bit boring in this film. But it was okay. Old film. If we're talking of old films, yeah. I watched the producers first mm, time. Have you yes, seen it? I haven't. No, no. I, it's one of those that is a classic, isn't it? Everyone, you think it's pretty good. Yeah, is this Gene Wilder? Gene Wilder's in yeah. it. But I didn't enjoy it that much. Uh, it's a bit intense. Mm-hmm. But Gene Wilder's being very intense. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I it fun moments, but I have a feeling that it was my modern audience taste. It wasn't to my liking. Mm. It was very, I don't know. And we've done well with like modern film watching this month. We've watched quite a lot of new films we've been to the cinema we've seen five films together at a cinema five films I've loved it so we did the triple bill and we've done a double bill yeah that's how we've done it yeah the double bill was Till and A Man Called Otto that's quite the combo really which we speak about A Man Called Otto a fair bit in our conversation yeah, with Gary for that. but we didn't mention Till no which was harrowing right very harrowing um, again we talk about it in our little excerpt Mm. I mean, do we... Let insert excerpt now, right? Yeah. Well. well. <laughs> Till. Till. Second watch on a double bill with Man From Otto. I am a bit worried because I've, I don't know if I've noticed this or not, that when you don't enjoy something, you fidget a lot. Am I wrong? 
Uh, often when I'm bored, but that wasn't the case in that. You were just fidgeting. I was. Fi- I think I was uncomfortable with how harrowing it is. Like it's quite. It's quite difficult to watch. If that makes sense. It's very difficult to watch. Um, in the best way. Like it's. I mean, a harrowing, but pretty amazing story. Um, yeah. We're going to get some background youth yeah. in this recording, but. Yeah, was, I can't say I enjoyed it, but that's no. not a bad thing either. It was an amazing film. Amazing like, film. And yeah. the lead uh, actress, I don't know her name, but she was it's unbelievable. Amazing. I couldn't watch it. And you didn't know Whoopi Goldberg was in it? No. She, she was there. She played the grand. Like, actually on the screen as well, and you didn't yeah. notice. I felt sick, physically sick, yeah. when, uh, when you got caught. Did you cry? Nearly. I got very close. There was a lot of, there was sobbing in there. Someone was like... Properly sobbing all the way yeah. through. I imagine this is a bit, could be a bit of a trigger for some people. Yeah, it's a very important themes. Yeah. But my, honestly, my review is... Yeah. Out of, out of five. <laughs> Probably a four. Probably a four, think, yeah. yeah. But do we mention... Half Pint Louise. Half Pint Louise. I think, yeah. So in the recording there, you would have noticed that we talked about a woman crying or somebody crying. Yeah. We went for a drink after just to digest till, because quite a lot to digest, isn't it? Yeah. If you watch it, maybe watch it with someone. There's definitely trigger warnings to this film as well. Like it's, it's, it's a lot dealing with some dark aspects of racism. Not that there's any light aspects of racism, but it's, it's a really dark film, but the performances are absolutely staggering. Yeah. But it's definitely one to talk about. So we went to do that. And then this woman just came up to us and said, oh, can I just sit here? Great. We didn't even say yes. She'd taken a bag and coat off. Yeah. And it turns out she was the person crying. So we met the crying lady and her name is Louise. Yeah. And she had half a pint. She had half a pint. She'd been to bingo. (coughs) She'd been to bingo. And then she went into the Odeon, went to the loo, but then went into the screening. Yeah. It's quite something. There's even more to that story. Of, won't go uh, no, won't I think well that's enough. <laughs> that's um, enough. But we were stuck with Half Pint Louise for a good half an hour, yeah, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe longer. But on that film, Danielle Deadweiler, is that, yeah. that's her name, right? Yeah, um, who plays the mother. There's a scene, I wrote it on my letterbox. There's a scene when a, a box, I don't want to spoil anything, but a box is lifted from a train. Mm-hmm. And her acting then, I have never seen anything like that. Ever. It was amazing. Like she just creases her face in ways that I didn't know were possible and like wails in this way that just feels inhuman, but so human at the same time. I, yeah. I, it was an unbelievable performance. Yeah. Very raw. Mm. And yeah, rarely you see grief yeah. portrayed as, uh, as, as well. brilliant as that. Yeah, yeah. I went solo to watch Empire of Light. Mm, you did. I probably should have waited you to come with me, but were you free? I can't even remember. No, I don't think I was. Because you were going to go and then you didn't go. Yeah. And I was expecting big things, but I did really enjoy it. And I was tempted for a four star, but the more I thought about it, the plot was a bit weird. Right. Because it was trying to do too much. On the one hand, it had um, Olivia Coleman's character dealing with mental health issues. Right. But also there was racial issues in there. Mm-hmm. And then there was, uh, there was just all sorts of things going on and um, male dominance and things like that. Mm. It was all the themes 
into one thing and it right, just sort okay. of mess, made it a bit messy. Mm-hmm. However, it looked amazing. All the performers were really good. Michael Ward, Olivia Coleman, Toby Jones, isn't it? Colin Firth. Colin Firth, you won't like him in it. It's not a very nice man. Right. Oh, that's not nice. Colin Firth's a lovely man. Yeah, I know. But anyway, it it's worth a watch, but the marketing made it look more about film than it is. But then we went for a three-in-one, a yeah. three-way. So no, not a three-way, just a like a triple bill. Triple bill. We'll call it that. So we did Tar, tar. at uh, an independent cinema in Leicester. Yeah. We Can then, we talk about that? Tar. The independent cinema in Leicester. Yeah. Well, not necessarily the cinema. It's not their fault. Mm. It's a bit stuffy. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> it was the woman sat next to you. So we were in... Um, mm. She was stuffy. <laughs> We were watching the adverts. It wasn't even trailers. The lights were on. Someone a few rows down was doing a flipping crossword. We're chatting. And then all of a sudden I heard a... And she looked, she looked at me. And I just carried on talking to Gareth. And then I looked and Gareth went, uh, did she just... Um, she just touched at you? I was like, yeah. She bloody did. She did. Couldn't believe it. And then, and then she shushed. Not shushed, but I like went... At one point, like it was like she wanted to shush, but she didn't have the balls. Yeah. So if you're going to shush me, go for it. Shook her head. And then she had the cheek to talk to her husband anyway. It's quite a quiet film, Tar, which I didn't <laughs> think would happen. No. But we had chocolate bars, which you quite kindly bought from the box office. Yes. So the legitimate chocolate bars. Mm. And they were rustling. Yeah. And she looked across. But rustling like the slightest rustle. Mm. So we did Tar, then we hopped in our car. And we went quite far over to the side of Leicester. Oh my God. (laughs) To watch Megan. Oh, just failed at the last hurdle then. The three game. I'm recording. Huh? Oh, no. Well, you can say what you want to say. You don't have to change what you're going to say because I'm recording. There will be a um, a sequel with a four where the A is in Megan. Is that what you're going to say? So still a three and four as well. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, I, I had a great time. I know you did. Oh, I left my cup in there. Did uh, you? I did enjoy it, yeah. Some, it was hilarious for the wrong reason sometimes. Yeah. Oh, well, I burst out laughing when a kid got my head. Yeah, you did, yeah. Which, no, no, I didn't mean like that. I didn't like oh. it. was a bit nasty. Oh, right. Okay. I'm watching my program. I'm not that bothered about Hernando, if I'm honest. You're not? No. Okay, that's fine. Could I get a, either go for a drink or... At that pub over there, not the local. Yeah, era. yeah. Don't want to see half pint, Louise. <laughs> so, I was going to ask you. Go on. Uh, what star you'd give this one? I, I'm thinking a four. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed it, and you're saying it was naff in places. I feel like it was. I feel like those moments. They, the the bit that I found really naff that definitely wasn't meant to was the manager, the boss. He was yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I yeah. think it was a lot of it was shit. Yeah. Until the last sort of twenty minutes. Where, as in the script, mm. but it looked good. I'm, so uh, what you're thinking? I'm thinking three. a three. three, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I love a three star. Mm-hmm. You know me. And the middle of a double bill, a triple bill. Sorry, it's very different. Very, very, and I feel like the next one's going to be even more I, different. I think that's sort of. It's hard to compare them, but uh, it highlights to me the different audiences that. Uh, um, films can have, you know. Yeah, and that cinemas can have. I mean, in that yeah, one, yeah. There, there were a couple just talking just the whole way through it, like regular chatting. volume. Not even like trying to be quieter. They were shushed. 
They were shushed, and it was a big shush. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Like, shh, you Did I ever tell you? I think I have told you this a few times. When someone, I was in a screening uh, in Cardiff, someone was talking, and a guy turned around and he shouted, Either shut up or fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they didn't say anything after that. Uh, so I've always got that in my pocket in case someone yeah, really yeah, annoys yeah. me. And then, yeah, and then, yeah. So Megan was good fun. We had a good laugh. Yeah. The standout line for me in Megan was when the detective who's in one scene is mm. talking. He's like, oh, but you, you know, you were there for both crimes. That's a bit weird, isn't it? And, you know, we found this, the boy's ear about 200 yards away from where it happened. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> it was that, it was so well delivered. And I listened to an interview with the director who uh, basically said that that was his friend, who's a really good comedian in New Zealand, and like up and coming New Zealand, like New Zealand comic. And he just came for a day and did that. And he was like, and I wrote it and I thought no one's going to be able to deliver it like that apart from him. And he did it exactly how he wanted it to be delivered. Which is great. Yeah, I love that. But we came out of that. I was a lot. I, I nearly four started. You did. I feel like I feel bad because I feel like I've knocked you down. No, 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 definitely not. Because I reflected on it and I was like, actually, like the ending was a little bit predictable. Mm-hmm. I guess the real predictable way of ending it would have been to go bigger with it, which it doesn't do. But I felt like it would just, and there was a few things that happen. Like there's a bit with the the assistant of the boss. And that doesn't go anywhere. Oh, yeah. There's a few little bits like that that I was like, I don't understand why that happened. So that was like reflecting afterwards. I was like, yeah. It was actually in the trailers for Babylon that I was thinking about Megan. I was like, I think I'm going to give it a three. Right. Not a four. It's worth, it's proper pop culture-y Definitely, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And a sequel's in the works. M. Forgan. M3 Gafforn. Oh, you reckon? It's going to be M3 Gafforn? No, do you know what I think it'll be? I think it'll be Megan... 2.0. 2.0. Mm. I think that will be what they do. Interesting. And then we did Babylon. Uh, so. <laughs> Babylon. Babylon. It's nothing like David Grace. No, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a guy going down the street, Freezing. all the traffic lights turning nice green to red. Yeah. <laughs> nice and chilled out. Let me tell you, it went from red to green. That was insane. That was insane in all the right ways in all the best ways I'm that's gonna, what cinema's all about right I'm going to put um, David Gray on I was going <laughs> to say we're going to put my balls on the table here and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going, I think I'm going to go five star I think I'm right there with you yeah and the thing is I've seen this twice you have and you've knocked a star down. Yeah, I spent six hours and 20 minutes of my month watching Babylon. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, that's a school day. Back in the day. It is. Right, you go watching to school one... for six hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when we went five star, it's the first two thirds of this film are unbelievable. Mm. And Gareth might counter something in a minute, but like the... Um, there's a few scenes that just keep going and keep going. And there's one of the scenes that I still think is one of the best scenes I've ever seen on film. Even the second time. Even the second what time. Was the... the audience wasn't as full. So the laugh wasn't as, but the, I went with my brother and my girlfriend 
and they were in stitches. I was in stitches again. Mm-hmm. It did create a really good, and they both said, yeah, you were right. That scene is immense. Um, they knew I was talking about that scene afterwards. Cause I'd said before, there is a scene that is exceptional and they knew afterwards that like, it's gotta be that scene, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so good. The way it all plays out is, and it gets so crazy all of a sudden. It's so good. But there's a lot of scenes like that. And I turned to you at one point and said, I don't, I, every scene that starts, I don't know where it's going to end up. And that's still the case the second time. I'm like, I can't remember what happens next. But watching it again, and I kind of had this worry the first time, but I, that the amount I loved other areas just outshone that. But I felt like it just didn't know how to end. And it had like five or six endings where it just kept kind of going. And it would do a shot and you'd think that's going to be the end. And then it wasn't. And then it would do another shot and you think that's going to be the end. And then it wasn't. And I felt that even more the second time. So when I got into the last third of the film, I was like, come on now, let's get there. Um, but I still loved it. It's still very good. It's still a great film. I would say it's imperfect. Mm. But I, that's why I thought, even though it was imperfect, I thought it was just so, I had such a good time. Yeah. That five star was just part of it was my feeling towards it. Sure. There's the, you could really talk about this film for, for a lot. And we could have, if we spun the real wheel right for our next Focus Film Club, but alas, we landed on Mathrugan. We did. So yeah. we're going to be talking, which will be still very good to talk about. But yeah, I, I think Babylon is great. And I think it's been splitting audiences and that makes complete sense to me. But I think it's, I think it's pretty damn good. Gareth, five star alert. After Sun. Talk to me. So After Sun came out last year, but it was in independent cinemas. Didn't get a chance to watch it. And now it's on Mubi, which is fun to say. Mubi. Yeah. Um, And it's about a girl called Sophie and her dad called Callum. And they go on holiday and they basically... It's just it's just a real character study about this relationship between a daughter and her father. Mm-hmm. And you feel this father has got something eating him up inside that he's trying to hide from his daughter and then eventually he can't hide it anymore. Um, And it's kind of like integrated, the normal way it's shot is integrated with like an old camera footage of clips of them, which is really wholesome. And it's just, I I don't want to talk about it. It's not, there's not like a sprawling plot. It is a character study of these two people on holiday. But just, it's stunning. And the credits rolled and I cried. That's the second time crying. Second time crying in my adult life. Because you've got a, you've got a list of films you cried at. There's only two in it. Yeah, yeah. This in Belfast. So last January, I cried at Belfast. This January, after some. I just, I didn't get, I, I, the whole way through, I was just loving watching these two people. And then by the end, and I, there's not similarities in my life to his at all, to the dad's, but there was something that really resonated with me in the way he chose to express his emotions. Mm-hmm. And that I think is what made me upset. Um, not upset, just emotional, an emotional response to the film, but definitely watch Afterson. It's one of the best films of last year for sure. So, Last five star alert yeah. is for Whiplash. I rewatched Whiplash and I absolutely loved it. It's so good. You stated if someone was to say to you, what's your favourite film of all time? You'd hesitantly say Whiplash. Yeah. 
We spoke about Whiplash a lot with Gary, who also watched it this month, Gary Hewitt, and he is our guest today. He is a director. He has just directed a short film called Dig, which I think is coming out publicly soon. It's not at the minute, I don't think, uh, but it's just about to do a festival run, which he talks about in the interview. But Gary Hewitt, you can follow him on Instagram. I think he's called Gary J. Hewitt, but I'll confirm that and put it in the bio so you can check him out in the bio below. Plus, he has a podcast called Choose Film Podcast. We had a chat with Gary. We'll be back afterwards to talk about the top five, our top five, murder mystery films. As long as everyone can understand the Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I can I, understand I mean, I can, it. So, you, you know. <laughs> That's all right then. <laughs> Tell us about Dig. Tell us about Dig, your short film. Yeah, so um, I've been working as a filmmaker for about 10 years in and out of different uh, roles. And basically last year, year and a half, I done a feature film that's still in post-production, but I really just wanted something that could be nice and relaxed, a nice little short film, very little dialogue. Um, And Dig was that thing to get me through. Um, and then basically, uh, it's two locations, one main character, and it's mostly set outside. So we wanted the good weather and we decided to film in September before the dark nights hit and before it got really cold. And lo and behold, we got like torrential rain. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's a film about loss, about grief, um, and about determination, I guess, as well. Um, I think the film storyline, without giving away the kind of twist ending, I guess, the film storyline is quite impactful for uh, people and uh, the society we're, we're still living in. Even when we think everything's a lot better, there's still people that are dealing with a lot of um, a lot of hate, shall we say. I suppose, I mean, torrential rain, although it's going to create production problems I'm sure it still kind of fits with the story you're telling uh and the whole kind of vibe of, of that story yeah absolutely um so we had like two different cameras we're going to use uh one was like a Sony A7 I won't go into tech details too much another is a, a black magic camera which is usually thought of as the the better camera of the two but because we knew we were filming on a beach we're like oh as soon as sand gets into that like it's just going to kill the camera at this point we didn't know we were going to get the torrential rain but the the sony camera could just handle this like torrential rain really well there was a point where you could just hear the water in the lens and it was still like able to film and we were stressing like about handing it back in but we gave it a good clean, handed it back in, and and it still works fine. So, yeah, it was quite it was quite hard conditions to film in. But for the for the storyline, it's it makes it that bit more grim and depressing, which works for which works for the storyline. <laughs> in terms of the story, what inspired you to um, to tell that particular story? So there is there is themes of LGBTQ uh, plus and the and the story. Uh, and me myself, I'm straight white guy in my thirties, you know. So technically speaking, um, I shouldn't be telling those stories. Some might say. So what I decided to do was um, maybe tell a story that has got some of those themes centered around it, but from a character that might actually be 
um, straight. So our main character is it's, it's never um, it's never actually said out loud, but she is like a, a straight female protagonist, and it's how um, certain things that people from the LGBTQ plus community go through can also affect more than just them like um, what they go through can then ripple out and affect other people and that was kind of what what I wanted to try and tell the whole scene or the scenes on the beach um, I don't know if any of you have seen it's not really a spoiler but have any of you seen El Camino like this spin-off Breaking Bad movie mm-hmm. uh, there's a really cool uh, shot in that uh, and it's Jesse Pinkman and it's like a bird's eye view of a flat and he is like rummaging through it trying to find a certain item I won't say what it is for spoilers and it's like this kind of bird's eye blueprint of the flat and you just kind of transition for him at different parts of the the kind of studio apartment that's the best way I can explain it and I was like this is a really cool scene so I decided to try and do something similar on a beach where you're going to see all these holes uh, kind of dug up and the idea was to transition the character at different holes and you just see more and more appearing. Um, we didn't quite get that shot that I wanted, but we got a similar shot. The reason we couldn't get the one that was in my head from the get-go was because of the torrential rain. The drone just wouldn't stay in the air for that long. We would have needed it to be up there for a good half an hour for us to, you know, dig the holes. Mm. But yeah, so it started with seeing that shot in El Camino. Then I was like, I could do something similar on a beach. And then I was then thinking, what is the story? Why is this woman here? Why is she digging? And from that, the rest of the story unfolded. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my favourite shot. It was so dramatic. I loved it. Yeah, this. I mean, the cinematographer, Dave, uh, Dave Donaldson, he really... Anytime I work with him, he laughs because I push him to try something a bit harder than our last time we worked together. And I'm like, this is going to be a hard shot. But he, I think it was just last week or the week before, he actually won Best Cinematography. So it is well-deserved. What like what got you into directing in the first place? What actually set you on that on that course and on that path? Um, actually, it kind of goes back to secondary school. And... We had like some few free periods where we could take a class of something new and I found out there was a media class and I kind of looked into it a wee bit more and I was like, hmm, I get to sit and like watch TV shows and films and analyse them. That sounds great and a bit of a skive, to be honest. Uh, so I started doing that and it was like reruns of Frasier and dissecting the mise-en-scene and all this stuff and what makes it funny. And then... I still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And then I was looking at college courses. So I was like, well, I can do media at college as well. And then from there, I was like, at media at media in college, you also got to like take out the camera and see how it works and try and like make some shots. Then I was like, oh, you can go to like college and uni to actually try and make film. This stuff was all kind of new. And then I kind of went down that route. And then after doing multiple roles in the industry from running to assistant direct into casting I was writing all the time through this and then realised that nah these other jobs are stressing me out I want to write or direct <laughs> and so I've, I've kind of it's great because a lot of people might say that they might they want to work in the film industry and it's quite a broad stroke whereas doing all these different roles I've realised it's not me just want to work in the film industry I kind of want to be a writer or director and I'll just keep 
pursuing that. Nice. And then with Dig then, what what's next for Dig and, and what's next for you as well? So it's just started its festival run. Um, so we've had our first, as I said earlier, we had our first festival and we won Best Director and Best Cinematography, which was great. It'll probably do the festival run for about a year. And we'll just we'll kind of see what it achieves through that year as well. It's great for the cast and crew. We wanted to hit some of the bigger festivals as well um, that are kind of maybe Oscar-nominated or BAFTA. Not Oscar-nominated, sorry, Oscar-recognised or BAFTA-recognised festivals. So we did a bit of a crowdfunder just for its festival run because these film festivals can be so extortionate, like 40 to 60, 70 pounds to enter, um, which... I'm skin. I don't have that money. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we want to try and hit uh, these bigger targets. And, you know, if we put into 10 and get, like, one or two back, at least we've done a crowdfunder for that and not everyone's out of pocket. So, yeah, we'll just, we'll see, we'll see what it take, uh, where, it, where it takes us. And for me and myself, as I said, I've got a feature that's hopefully out in February, or completed by February, I'll say, I'll say completed and then we'll try and get it out there. Um, and then I have just finished a first draft of something else I'm writing as well, which is kind of like a supernatural home invasion film. So it's a bit different as well. So I'm hoping to go basically into this new year with Dig Down its festival run, the feature film Finding Its Home, and then a kind of a new project just starting out. Exciting. Yeah. Always busy. <laughs> so let's uh, let's move into our chat about just the films you've been watching. So you've sent us a list on the Focus Film Podcast. We talk about lists of stuff we've watched uh, and we'd love to delve into a little bit of the list of films you've watched in January. So, yeah. I mean, first question, is there anything to you that like absolutely stands out on that list to, from this month that you have to talk about? with somebody because sometimes there's a film you watch and then you don't actually have the opportunity to discuss it with anybody else so is there anything on there that's been eating at you since you watched it well i would say one film that i seen that i wasn't expecting a lot from was a man called otto i mm. don't know if any of you have seen it yet yeah i've seen it yeah i mean i went into that thinking this is going to be a, just a nice wee kind of heartwarming film a bit of comedy tom hanks playing a grumpy old man he's getting old now so it kind of fits but by the end like i was in tears and i don't normally cry that much you know i'm too busy analyzing the film when i'm watching it so i was just really like teary and then i kind of looked around the cinema room and i was like oh it's not just me you know i just think the film had the right amount of laughs the right amount of heartwarming moments and just it was weird because it was a feel-good community type film but I also threw a wee bit I had a bit of a gut punch in there as well yeah my first surprise was when I saw the trailer I thought that Tom Hanks wasn't going to be a good grumpy person because he's just so happy all the time but actually yeah he nails it yeah and I heard as well that he watched the the film that it was based on and was right away he's like oh we need to we need to do this for a, like a US audience and I'm one of these people like America stopped remaking foreign films but this really worked um, I don't know if you've seen um, the film with Mads Mikkelsen uh, with the, the teachers and the uh, Another Round yes yes I absolutely loved that film and they're remaking it with Leonardo DiCaprio 
and it's only like maybe I think it's less than five years old and I'm like just leave it alone just send people to watch it put it in cinemas a lot more in the US or in the UK and it's not like Mads Mikkelsen isn't a like he's a he's a big name in the US yeah. and the UK so it's not like they need to remake it with Leonardo DiCaprio to get people to see it exactly you know and he's he's tremendous a tremendous actor as well so is Leo but Mads Mikkelsen deserves a lot more recognition um, if you want me to fire off a few more like um, Whiplash as well I watched Whiplash again um, for me five out of five stars um, I actually had to watch it for my own podcast but I was so for it I've rewatched Whiplash this month as well uh, it's, I before had it as a four but then I was like no this is a I haven't watched it for years and I was like this has to go up to a five but you love this a lot. You love Whiplash a lot. Yeah, I love, yeah, I five-starred it from the first viewing. It's so intense. And mm. then when I watched Babylon, which you also watched, there was that same sort of intensity. But I watched Whiplash in my living room and I yeah. still got that feeling. Whereas in, I don't know if I'd have the same feeling with Babylon in my living room. It mm. needed to be watched in the cinema. In cinema, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it was really interesting actually because with Whiplash, as a filmmaker, I guess as a creative artist, I like the film just resonated with me. Um, you know, like this drummer obsessed with his music, like actors or filmmakers can get obsessive with their art as well. And then I went to see Babylon and there was so many scenes in it that resonated with me. But as a whole, Whiplash just uh, stole the show for me, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, initially when we watched Babylon, I, we looked at each other, didn't we? We were like just mouth to gape <laughs> it was like yeah. what the hell was that that we just sat through that was a, like just because it doesn't let you stop it just kind of carries on and carries on doesn't let you breathe yeah but with whiplash i think it has more balance in the like more doubt da- it does have those downbeat moments like just if it's when he's at the counter and he asks i can't remember the character's name but he asked the girl on the date in that little bit you see like a more downbeat moment for him yeah yeah it's almost like he gives himself a pat on the back by asking the girl out like he's achieved something by getting into Fletcher's class and he's like okay I can now focus on something else for a little bit I'm going to ask this girl out and go on a date um and because with Babylon the characters are for the most part already you know in Hollywood working you know Brad Pitt's character is successful Mark Margot Robbie's character is becoming successful with Whiplash, he is more the, the indie artist trying to find his way in the, the world of music. And I think that's why we can relate to that, that character a lot more. Mm, for sure. I have a question. So you've given Kindergarten Cop a four star and Avatar The Way of Water a three star. What gives Kindergarten Cop that edge over Avatar? <laughs> well, I, um, I loved uh, Kindergarten Cop as a a kid and it is very much a kid's film and then as I watched it as an adult it's like oh there's stuff in here that I didn't recognise like as a child like you know like the gangster that he's after I mean the first 15 minutes of Kindergarten Cop feels like some sort of action thriller and then it suddenly changes but I I just felt like Kindergarten Cop still held up for me which I wasn't expecting so that's why it got its four stars and then with Avatar, uh, The Way of the Water. I rewatched the first one and then the following week went to see the sequel. And it was like the first half was basically Avatar 1 again in the water. Um, Act 2 was like, as I think I said this in my letterbox, it's like Free Willy. 
and then Act Three was like Titanic, and I just felt that it was it was it was too long. Like it was like a mixture of some action scenes mixed with watching Blue Planet. Like there was like these twenty minute scenes of like an avatar swimming with a whale, and I'm like, okay, they're still swimming together, but do something, give me storyline, give me plot. So as a spectacle, it gets all the stars, but for like plot and storyline, I, I I got bored. You're the only person I spoke to who's had that sort of view. Like not that other people haven't, in, but that sort of thing of the problem was with the plot and the storyline. That's what I really found as well. Just like the the whole kind of reason for the villain, the villain's motivation and the way they're bringing him back into the story, I just thought was really messy. But still like the spectacle overtakes you, doesn't it? In the moment, you're just kind of taken by that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go into spoilers, but like the the antagonist um, is hunting uh, our, our protagonist, Jake Sully, and then he finds himself with some more people. But if our, if our antagonist just held the avatars from the first one sorry the the navi from the first one hostage he would give himself up it just it just didn't work for me and i think i went and seen it in 4dx uh, and 3d so i was getting like soaked and <laughs> thrown about in <laughs> my <your> chair <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah, i think with 3d I, I think 3d can be really great but your eyes adjust and it ends up feeling almost like you're watching a 2D film again. Like, because films tend not to do that thing. I watched, as you'll see on my list, I watched Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D again. I didn't watch it in 3D, but that's just the full title. <laughs> uh, but there's certain shots in that that were made for 3D, as in there's a bit where Jason fires a spear, a harpoon gun, and it comes at you. But there was like, so you kind of jump back but in modern 3D, they don't really do that, things flying at your face. Yeah, so yeah. It, it just looks in 3D, then your eyes adjust to seeing it in 3D and it just feels like a regular film. It's kind of like if you ever watch something on your phone, maybe you're going on holiday, so you watch a film on your phone on the plane and then you're like, oh, this is tiny, but then your eyes adjust and you just sink into the you sink, you sink into the storyline and that. So for me, my eyes adjust to Avatar in 3D and I was like, the storyline's not catching me now. Sure. Uh, so Friday the 13th, you've mentioned it. You've watched three of them this yes. month. So was that like a bit of a, just, okay, I'm going to what Did you set out to do that at the start of a week that I'm going to watch? Because I think on Letterboxd, I saw, didn't you do them like days in succession? Um, I did the first two in succession, yes. Um, it was, it was a really funny story. It was Friday the 13th and we got locked in our house. Our key wouldn't, lock and we're, we had plans to go out that night so we couldn't go out so I'm like typical Friday the 13th and something bad happens um, so <laughs> I, my partner Karen had never seen the original Friday the 13th so I was like let's just stick it on but my favourite of the franchise is the second one so I was like I need to watch that now as well and then from there I was kind of just putting them on out of sheer boredom <laughs> they go downhill quickly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I only watched the first one for the first time last year and I was surprised at the lack of Jason. I just wasn't aware. I didn't know anything about the franchise, so I was just surprised that that yeah. is kind of held yeah. off. The film's really funny because uh, all the kills in the first one are done by... Um, they're done like point of, uh, point of view of the, the serial killer. 
and you see people like staring into camera going, oh, don't, please don't kill me. So it's kind of like a who done it. Yeah. But then the the person that done it, you've never been introduced to. So it's it's a weird little film. It's like, can you guess what one of the, you know, the campers it is? And then it's like, oh, it's no one that you've ever seen on screen. Mm. <laughs> You're like, why did you do it that way? <laughs> Um, is there any other films you want well, me to fire when, out? Oh. When I had my arm was Megan, because we've watched mm-hmm. Megan too, or Mithrigan, and it was great, right? I mean, we had a great, for like, we still both three-starred it, but for a three-star film, it's one of those where you go and it, it's just a great time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the film, I can't remember, what did I score it again? I gave it um, three and a half, yes, Um I think the reason that this film works is because it doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm. You know, uh, for me, it's it's child's play meets Terminator. You know, Me- Megan wants to pre- protect child and there's a kind of Chucky-esque theme through it, obviously. But the Chucky films still, for the most part, were taking themselves quite seriously. And I f- like especially the first one, like the original Child's Play and the sequel. But this, it's like, you know, it, it knows what it is. Um, and it just has fun with it. And it's, I highly recommend it. You will not be bored watching this film. Don't you think, um, is it James Wan? Is that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Has he got a fascination with dolls, do you think? Yeah, because he does got, that a lot. Yeah, well, you had uh, Dead Silence, I think, was one of his first films, which was all like the ventriloquist dolls. And then you've had the Saw franchise with the doll on the bike, You've got Annabelle, and then you've got uh, you've got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's obsessed. The man's obsessed. And there is totally. something creepy about a doll that you don't. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. And I think it, it probably has all come from horror films. But there was when I was younger, my younger sister had a doll, and she left it at our friend's house on Christmas Eve, and they didn't know. And then they, our friends, woke up on Christmas morning, and there was this doll sat in the corner of the room, just staring at him. And he sh- shat himself. Uh, not, you know, literally, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, for, I think it is the horror films that have created the, the kind of idea that dolls are scary and they're creepy. Yeah. Because kids don't have that kind of fear of them. It's only in your adult no. life that you have that fear. Have you seen The Strangers? No. With Kate Beckinsale. No. I think it's Kate Beckinsale. Uh, some of the killers and that wear these like porcelain masks which are quite doll like and my mum I took my mum to see it years ago and she had these like kind of faceless white statues just decorated about the house and she made me turn them all round the, the other way after seeing the film because they were just freaking her out. <laughs> is is horror sort of like a go to genre for you? Is it something that you'd like to make yourself? Yeah, there's a lot of horror this month, isn't there, in my, yeah. in my list? <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of grew up on horror. I probably watched a lot of horror films that I shouldn't have when I was a child. My uncle, like, I think I was 12, and he's like, let's watch A Nightmare on M Street. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, but they never really scared me. Um, and as, you know, a writer-director still finding his way in this film industry, horror's quite easy to do as well you know you don't if you look at any horror film that comes out in the cinema they don't need an A-list celebrity actor in it because people go for the scare, the the, the vibe the feelings and they can be 
cheaper to make as well. They don't need as much of a budget. And if we're honest, like music carries a lot of horror films as well, you know, the creepy music. And um, I find them, they're one of those films for me that when I'm going to sleep at night, I could fall asleep to a, a comforting horror film. <laughs> so <laughs> what? You know, I think that's what. I think that's why they end up like last night um, I was doing a bit of writing um, yeah wild Saturday night right um, I was doing a bit of writing and it got to about 11 I was like I could go to bed and stick on a film so I, I put on yep Friday the 13th part 4 the final <laughs> chapter spoiler it's not the final chapter I can assure you um, and then yeah uh, for the for the thing I'm writing just now I it's as I said it's got a bit of home invasion in it so sometimes a lot of the movies that I watch is for inspiration as well so I think there's one there that I watch called Fear which is a 90s home invasion film with Mark Mark Wahlberg he's quite young in it I do recommend it it's quite a fun film and there was something else I watched as well recently I can't remember, but it might have been Men. There's a bit of home invasion in Alice sure. Garland's Men as well. So, yeah, I think because I, I write a lot in thrillers and horror that I'm looking for inspiration and I find myself like going, going towards these as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. What was, just to round this off, what was the last film you saw in the cinema that you went to the cinema to see? Uh, it would have been uh, Babylon. Babylon. Babylon, yeah. I think Babylon and Megan were my two uh, most recent ones at the cinema. I And it's quite nice because I highly recommend both of them uh, for different reasons. And then just before that, I went and seen A Man Called Otto and Avatar, Way of the War. So I think that's my my four this, nice. uh, this month. What about yourselves? What's the last ones you went and seen? Uh, I saw The Fablemans last night. Nice. Uh, which is great. It's really, really good. Um, it's a very, it's, it's got similarities to Babylon in some ways in that you can tell the director is pouring in a love for cinema. However, I think Damien Chazelle's is done in a much more negative light intentionally. Uh, but mm-hmm. Spielberg's, it's just like, you just feel an affection. It makes you want to get up and make a film. It's like that sort of, do you know what I mean? You have that sort of energy about mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, well, Babylon was my last one and I went to see Empire of Light recently as well. And I feel like there's a lot of introspective work going on with directors. I, I wonder whether the yeah. the um, the pandemic has made a lot of filmmakers look in on themselves and create stuff about them, themselves rather than mm. other things. Yeah, I think when it was, when I went to see A Man Named Otto or A Man Called Otto, I can't remember what one it is. Um, yeah, the, the, the three trailers that we got was Babylon, The Fablemans, and then Empire of Light, one after the other. And I was like, going to see that, going to see that, going to see that. <laughs> yeah. And I've got to ask, are you excited about Cocaine Bear? Is this on your radar, this film that's coming out? I kind of want to see it, yeah. Like, I think that would be a great film for, you know, like a bunch of friends just to go see and then have a few beers after it and go, that was a wild ride. I think that's all it'll be is just a fun way. Like Megan, right? Like you'll leave your brain at the door before you enter the cinema. Yeah. You'll get your popcorn, you'll sit and be highly entertained and then leave and go, wow, that was mental. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Cocaine Bay could be a good one to go to sleep to as well, maybe. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Gary. Good luck with everything. And do you want to just plug your podcast real quick? 
Oh, thank you very much for, yeah, for letting me. Um, it's called Choose Film Podcast. LSU have been a guest on it as well. And each season we pick a theme. Uh, we try and make them as random as we can. And then a guest will come on and pick a film that matches that theme. And then we kind of review the film, but in a very positive light. So you have to pick three things you enjoyed about it. Um, I think that comes from me being a filmmaker. I just don't want to, you know, bitch about other people's work when I know how hard it can be. Um, yeah, each episode lasts about an hour and a half and then we quiz the guest at the end on how well they know the film. No, I didn't do very well on the quiz. I had an absolute mare. <laughs> the, the average mark is about seven, seven out of ten. I think Willem got seven or eight. He still gloats about the fact he beat me, but... <laughs> What can I say? <laughs> I wouldn't and, very many. Uh, well, we need to get you on. We will need to get you on, Gareth, yeah. Um, our next episode that comes out is, funnily enough, Whiplash. Um, that should be, well, of recording this, it'll be out on Tuesday. Um, but I don't know when Goose are releasing this out. So, yeah. Nice. Well, thanks a lot, Gary. It's been a pleasure. No problem at all. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And good luck with everything. Oh, I really appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Gary. Thanks a lot. It's quite difficult to record with a cat, as you know, as loud as Percy. Listen to him. He's like, let me on the podcast. What are you on? Episode seven, eight now, and you've still not had me on. He does feature in our YouTube videos too. Yeah. If you if you want to see what he looks like, he's always about. Oh, come on, mate. Play the game. I'm trying to have a trying to find my list of murder mystery. Oh, can you send that to me? Yeah. Well, if I can find it, Gareth. I'll be honest with you, it's not going too well. Have you had a fruit pastel? It's a good choice not in, a while, in the interval. Because they're a bit chewy. Mm. That's why it's the vegan... I do like them vegan. <laughs> it's a weird sentence. Are you right? But the vegan versions are chewier than the original recipe. Yeah. Let's talk about the murder mystery to start with. And because first of all, it's 2022 was a big year for Murder Mysteries. You had Glass Onion, you had Bodies, 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 See How They Run, and then you had The White Lotus, Only Murders in the Building, on TV as well. Death on the Nile came out last year too. So loads of Murder We've got Mysteries. quite a macabre interest in murder, haven't we? Especially yeah. with true crime is a uh-huh. big thing now. I much prefer murder mystery, like, um, yeah. not real crime. I prefer yeah, it. I don't it's like true crime stuff. Me. Yeah, I think this is weird. We're using this for entertainment, but someone's yeah. died. yeah. Mm-hmm. But at least this is hidden behind a veil of someone's written it. For know? sure. But when I was looking at a list, like there's stuff that jumps out that are obviously murder mysteries, like See How They Run or Knives Out, for example. But then there's ones like Zodiac and yeah. Seven and Gone Girl. Are they murder mysteries? Rear Window. Rear Window. Have you seen Rear Window? I haven't, but oh. I know it's meant to be a murder mystery. But are, do we count them? They are murder mysteries, yeah. right? Anything where there's a murder and it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. So... Top of my list, my favourite film of the selection is The Nice Guys. The Nice Guys? Oh, I haven't seen it. This is where we're going to hit yeah. hurdles here. Mm-hmm. I'd say Knives Out is a very almost Agatha Christie yeah. style. But set in like Who a Done modern it? day. Yeah. So there's Who Done It and there's other things. Yeah. And I feel like this is more the Who Done It, but then does it? Uh, maybe it doesn't matter. It's just a murder mystery. Murder mystery. So Knives Out, whatever happens, I think, absolutely has to be on the top five. I don't know where, it might be top, I don't know. But Knives Out absolutely has to be on that list because it's 
so good. It's difficult, but I'd put Rear Window in there. You would? Yeah, it's it's one of the best films of, of all time, would you say? Maybe. Wow. Have you seen Murder Mystery, the film Murder Mystery? Yeah, with Adam Sandler. I enjoyed it, you know. Did you? They're it's, making a second one. It's naff. I don't, de- I don't deny it, but you've given it two star. Great. Well, if you're putting Rear Window on there, I would say the nice guys should go on there. Okay. That's a good good mix. LA Confidential. Have you seen that? I have seen it. What do you think of that? I remember liking it. It's very... Do you know what? I got a video copy from my film studies teacher mm-hmm. and I, I borrowed it for far too long to the point where I'd left. And I hadn't watched it and I still gave it back. You know, when you've had something for that long <laughs> that you're like, I can't keep it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And from a teacher. Mm-hmm. There's a level of respect yeah, that you've yeah, got to yeah. go right. But I've watched it since. I watched it for one of our talk about pods, I think. Mm. But it's very genre defining. Yes. And that's why I borrowed it. Because he was like, you've got to watch this. Like, it's yeah, noir yeah, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's very noir. And that's the thing. I think this would, it would obviously appear on a film noir top five. Yeah. And it's maybe more that than it is a murder mystery. It's a great cast, isn't it? It's a really good cast. Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe. Hello. Mm. Bish bash bosh. Mm-hmm. See how they run was great. I think people slept on that too much. Yeah. That was really good fun. It, it it felt very like a British comedy, I remember thinking. Yeah. But I mean, a five-star film for me is Zodiac. I haven't seen Zodiac. You should. I really, I'm very ill-prepared for this. <laughs> Aren't we both? Um, We're both like, well, this is good. Well, I haven't seen that. Yeah. However, we've got it. It's, it's tough, here tough now. Tits, We're here. It? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Glass Onion. Seen it. That, we can solidly say I've seen that. We've seen that. I, I wouldn't put it on the top five. No. But, you know. Knives Out is in there. Nice Guys is in there. That's two. Rear Window. Rear Window's in there. We've only got to find two more. Doesn't matter yeah. that I've not seen Zodiac. LA Confidential. What do we think? We're running I out think of so, options. Zodiac. Zodiac <laughs> should go on there. I know you haven't seen it. Executive decision. But it, it should be on there. I'm, I'm confident you'd watch it and say, yeah, fair. Yeah. So we could say See How They Run goes on there. We could. Because that seems to be the only thing we've both seen. Here's my suggestion, Gareth. I'm all ears. Fifth, See How They Run. Yeah. Fourth, okay. The Nice Guys. Hang on. Shutter Island. Ooh, interesting. I gave that a five star, you know? Did you? And you've given it a four star. I did give it a four star. I think that's fantastic. Mm. And it's worthy of a rewatch. But is it a murder mystery? What's the whole Isn't point? it a, just a mystery? Or is, oh no, he's trying to solve a murder, isn't it? That's the whole point of it, yeah. And there's a big twist. Yeah. So that leaves us with Knives Out, Rear Window, Zodiac, See How They Run in Shutter Island. What about seven? I think I I think it is a whodunit, but I don't love it. I haven't seen it. So, so yeah. People love it though, don't they? Mm. And Gone Girl. You don't love Shutter Island. I, I do like it. I Would you top five it? it? Potentially, yeah. I mean, we've got five films here. I, it's fine. Oh, okay. Let's put it so on what, the... what have you got? So we've got Knives Out, Rear Window, Zodiac, See How They Run, and Shutter Island. I think that See How They Run would be fifth for me. Sure. Then, uh, this is just my list. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with See How They Run fifth, so let's put that there. Then maybe Shutter Island. That's, that's what I was hoping for. Then Rear Window. Mm. Then Zodiac, I guess. And then... Knives Out. Knives Out, number one. Just let that sit there, ruminate. Let me... Uh... Last roll of the dice. 
See how they run or are they confidential? That's LA Confidential feels that right, just, doesn't it? It feels right, yeah. Yeah. In fifth place, LA Confidential. Fourth, Shutter Island. Third, Rear Window. Yeah. Second, Zodiac. First, Knives Out. There you go. That is that is our list of murder mysteries. What, what are you going to do? Huh? Is that it? Pretty much. We need to talk about focus. So just briefly, focus film... This month, uh, we've mm. reviewed some stuff. So I'll just, I'll run down. The Fableman's got a four star from Ollie. Devotion got a three star from you. Yeah, that's on Amazon Prime. Megan, the three gun, got a three star from Gareth. Babylon got a five star from me. However, it's changed since. I have changed to a four. Gareth gave Man Called Otto a three star. And I gave The Pale Blue Eye a three star. We had a good month of reviews. We have. It's been a really good month for film. Uh, I've enjoyed this episode, so loved it. It's great to have Gary on. Yep, we've got some stuff done with lists. Yep, first one of the year, and if you like it, obviously subscribe, review it, especially mm-hmm. on Apple. Yes, it's really good to review. Um, we mentioned earlier about Batman on YouTube, so look up Focus Film on YouTube and see some of the stuff. And if you like it, we could make more of it. But it's a ball lake. Mm. <laughs> 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 um. Follow us on Instagram. We'll probably get a Twitter going. Yes, yes. Maybe that's, that's next month. Yes, definitely. But, you know, just shout about it and share with your friends if you yeah. like. And also, uh, just keep your ear out because I'm going to start all that again. <laughs> also, keep your ear out. Uh, we recorded our Focus Film Club, which was Avatar and White Noise. And at the end of that episode, we chose our film clubs for this month. So that halfway through February, we'll release an episode which we'll be talking about The Threegan mm-hmm. as our new film and The Truman Show as our old film. And then the last treat for you all is that we've got a special bonus episode coming out mm. for the Oscars. Yes. Which is this, we'll release that this month, are we? Yeah. 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 Loads going on. Yeah, it's all go. Plus blogs and all that. There'll be a blog out soon about Brendan Fraser. He's the legend that I've been catching up with recently. Nice. Watching five films I've never seen with Brendan Fraser in. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. It's all go. It's busy. It's all good fun. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Lovely caramel latte. <laughs> Honestly, lovely. anytime. Now? <laughs> I'm not made of coffee maker. <laughs>Hit that like or subscribe button. Thanks to today's guest, Gary Hewitt. You can follow us on at Focus Film Blog and read new reviews on focusfilms.online. With thanks to Charles Whitcomb for the theme music. Okay.